0: Um, well, I, I don't know about you, but I absolutely love, 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 love Christmas. Do you guys love Christmas? I feel like there, there's some mixed feelings about Christmas, and I get it, um, but I love Christmas. I think some of my, my best memories um, are around this season, around these holidays. Um, now, my, my family doesn't have this problem, um, but maybe you do. Have you invited anyone from your family over for Christmas that just doesn't doesn't fit the family vibe. And it may be awkward for me calling it out right now because they might be here with you right now. In fact, you might be that odd one in the family. And it's funny because we all have that, right? We all have that, that crazy uncle who you invited to the Christmas Eve service at Mosaic. Um, We all have that person who just dances to their own tune, who just is a little bit peculiar, right? They're doing things a little bit different. I want you to think of that person throughout this whole sermon (laughs) Um, as well as yourself. And I want you to see yourself that way. But um, because the very first group that God shares his good news to when Jesus is born is someone just like that person. It's someone who shows up in verse 8 of this Luke passage that we just walked all the way through here in Luke 2.8. It is... The shepherds. The shepherds. Now, you may, I, I feel like we romanticize the shepherds a lot in our stories. We're, we, we, we just fall in love. We're like, oh, the shepherds came and saw little Jesus. Oh, how wonderful, how warm and, and cozy that idea is. However, I don't think that's how they saw it in those days. In those days, I feel like the response was, invited the shepherds (laughs) do they have to be here and it's not just me trying to make a joke this is legitimate this is history because the shepherds were the rejects in the society the shepherds were the outcasts Um, and again shepherds are, are constantly around animals so they're they're smelly they're dirty but think about it like watching an old western they're out in the country all the time but these men are known, typically men, are known for sitting around a campfire getting drunk. This is, this is your shepherds. Um, they were known as thieves. They were filthy. They were dirty. They were not the people that you wanted to introduce to your mama, right? These are not that type of people. Uh, this is from the Mishnah, which is Judaism's written record of the oral law. It says, shepherds are incompetent. Hmm, okay, <laughs> little... A little aggressive to begin with. No one should ever feel obligated to rescue a shepherd who has fallen into a pit. <laughs> like, <laughs> what? <laughs> you're walking by, you see someone in a pit, and you're like, what's your occupation? <laughs> shepherd? Nah, sorry. They're like, no, 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 no. I promise. That was my, that was my old life. <laughs> I became a dentist. Like, no, 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 no. Um, it it seems a little bit odd, seems a little bit harsh that you would just leave a person in a pit because they were a shepherd. Why is that? Well, this is from uh, Jeremiah in the 6th century, and he writes back, according to this time period, that to buy wool, milk, or a baby goat from a shepherd was forbidden on the assumption that it, was, it would be stolen property. So what the shepherds would, do, would be known for, it was they would be stealing things and then just reselling them. what what a wonderful thing right like like, they were the outcasts they were the ones that were not to be trusted they were the rejects and they though they served the temple by raising up uh, sheep and lambs and things like that for the temple they were themselves were not allowed into the temple because they were the outcasts and yet when the gospel comes in human form the very first people that God says I want them to hear this message is it's the shepherds. (laughs) It's for the outcasts, the rejects in society. The good news is for rejects. That it is, it is for the unexpected. It is for the overlooked. It is for the outcasts. It is for, for, for the person who might steal from you. That's who the gospel is for. God does everything backwards, don't you notice that? But especially during this Christmas season. Like he comes to Mary, no, no one special, from a podunk town in Nazareth. Jesus is not this prince wrapped in gold. He's born to a, into this peasant family. He's got normal swaddling clothes. And he tells the good news to the most unlikely people first. Christmas is for the outsider. Christmas is for the outsider. And so this this time of year, you guys get a lot of Christmas cards, yes? Maybe you've seen them if you don't get them. But there's these things called Christmas cards. And, I, I, and usually you have happy faces on them, a lot of beautiful people. Thank you for your Christmas cards. We put them up. We love them. We adore them. They're beautiful. But I want to ask, how come no one sends the Christmas card that is just Here's how I'm really feeling at Christmas time. Like, how come no one sends the Ben Affleck Christmas card? Like, just, that's what I want someone to send. Like, Merry Christmas. (laughs) This season's terrible. (laughs) This is hard. Like, I want more real, authentic Christmas cards like that. Wouldn't that be great? Just exhaustion. Just merry frustration. Like, (laughs) but we won't send that, will we? We won't send those Christmas cards because we want to be seen as doing well. We want to be approved by one another and because deep down every single one of us feels like there is a, a cosmic scorekeeper out there always grading, always judging every single decision we have. Am I good enough? Am I doing enough? Am I doing enough as a parent? Y'all feel that? Am I doing enough as a teacher? Am I doing enough in my job? Am I doing enough as a friend? Am I doing enough? And that, that weight and that pressure that you guys feel, I feel it too, is, is crushing us. It's a guy named Robert Farrar Capon, and he says this, grace cannot prevail. Emphasize that. Grace cannot prevail until our lifelong certainty that someone is keeping score has run out of steam and collapsed. Oh, (laughs) I love this quote. That grace cannot prevail because that grace, like, can't be our default mode of living uh, in the joy of knowing that we are freely and fully and forever forgiven until we actually believe that the great scorecard that is out there in heaven is now torn up. We can't live in that grace and that freedom of that until we believe that. And so today, when if you are here this afternoon and you are coming to this church and you are feeling shattered spiritually, shattered emotionally, and you feel like the shepherd, you feel like the outcast, you feel like you're not even allowed in God's presence, I want to encourage you and I want to hear, Give this message to you. The Christmas message is, welcome. Fear not. The scorecard has been torn up. That is the message that God gives these shepherds. The very first word he says in verse 10, he says, fear not to these shepherds. And why is that the first thing the shepherds hear? It's because whenever God shows up, people get terrified. Whenever God shows up in scriptures, people are terrified. Come at the burning bush, terror. Going to Mount Sinai, terror. This stems all the way back to the garden. When Adam and Eve sinned, and they felt the shame of their sin, they tried to cover themselves. You remember this? Now, many translations say then God comes and I think Genesis 3-8 here, we have up here, it says that God comes and he's walking in the cool of the day. Which sounds like God is just out for a nice leisurely stroll. Adam and Eve sinned and he's out walking in the cool of the day. Which sounds like a nice, nice, nice way of saying it. However, the response of God's presence doesn't match their response here. Because when God comes, and they, the first words after, after this, um, this, the news of the sin, it says that they hid themselves. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees in the garden. And so another way you could translate that in the cool of the day is actually this, that God is walking out in the storm of the day. And I, you hear this reverberation from my mic. You're hearing that right now. You can, you can hear like the, the base of a thunder coming in. You can see the storm clouds coming in and the lightning. And you can feel the fear that might come. Even when you hear lightning crashing right next to you, there's, there's fear there. And so God is coming in the storm of the day to reckon with sin. And no wonder Adam and Eve now hid themselves because they are afraid, they are fearful of what God might do to them. And so if God were to show up in our presence today, I guarantee we would respond the exact same way. We would hide ourselves. We would be filled with fear because we are a culture swimming in fear. Swimming in fear of being found out, fear of rejection, fear of the future, fear of death, fear of not doing enough. And because we are afraid, we now become slaves to one another. Slaves for the other's approval. Slaves to that fear of not doing enough, not living up, not doing enough. And one of the greatest longings of the human heart, one of the greatest longings of the human heart is for someone to know you deeply. And for someone to know you exactly how you actually are, the real you, the, the Ben Affleck you, the, the one who shows the frustration, the exhaustion, as well as the joy, and, the, and the, t- the happiness and the tears, right? Someone to know the real you. That's our, one of our greatest longings, is for someone to know us that deeply. However, that's also tied with probably one of our greatest fears, is that if someone did know me that deeply... would they reject me? If someone knew the true me, would they run for the hills? That is our greatest fear. And when the God of the universe, who knows the deepest longings of my heart, who knows that I hold grudges, who knows I have impure thoughts, who knows all these things about me, comes to me, knows me fully and I have the fear of the rejection from that cosmic rejection of God. When he shows up, what is his words here? The Almighty says, the Almighty, the God of heaven and universe, through these angels, Yahweh says, in verse 10, it goes on, fear not, for I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. <laughs> How? How do I not get the wrath? I just want him to just ignore me, but I don't I don't get I don't get wrath. I don't get him to ignore me. I don't even get any form of rejection at all. What he says is fear not for I bring you good news of great joy. <laughs> good news is where we get is is where we get the term the gospel, right? The gospel is good news of a of a conquering king uh, and when, when news would spread of them conquering a nation or a territory, there would be the gospel, the good news that the war is over, the king has declared victory. And so now God comes to this earth in the form of a baby, and he says, I'm bringing you this good news, this gospel. And you might think, but there's no king, it's a baby. And that's, that's when we get the magic of Christmas, the beauty of Christmas. Charles Spurgeon says it here, that Jesus is infinite and yet infant. Oh, that alone is beautiful. That Jesus is infinite and yet infant, eternal and yet born of a woman, almighty and yet nursing, supporting a universe, and yet needing to be carried in his mother's arms. Heir of all things, and yet the carpenter's despised son. And so the all-knowing, omnipresent localized his presence in the form of a baby. That <laughs> the great I am became a nursing child. He's come, and he put his presence in the form of his baby to become like me, to defeat all of my enemies and all of his enemies, namely sin, death, and the devil. He does all this on the cross, and then he he doesn't let the grave hold him all out of love for you and me. Oh, (laughs) where's the fear in this? Fear is getting cast out of this. So that's why he says, fear not. Verse 11 tells you, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. I don't know of a more political statement there is than that. That Christ is the Lord. That means Caesar is not. Christ is Lord. And that day was an attack against what was known to be the Lord as Caesar. Christ is the Lord means my political party is not. Christ is the Lord means whatever I'm feeling at the time is not. Jesus is my new Lord. Not my current tribe or not the future tribe I attach myself to. Jesus is Lord. Now, my, my Lord may not have a place at the end, as we heard in our story, but he has a place. My Lord may not have a seat in a, in, a, in a house, but he has a seat. Our Lord Jesus has a seat, and it may not even be here on earth. It is in heaven, where he is sitting at the right hand of the Father, where he is ruling and reigning today. At Jesus, we celebrate what is coming. This future, future king, who's gonna come, and he's gonna return with, To save all of us, to redeem all of us. And he started that ministry, and he started that kingdom at his first coming, and it's gonna be fulfilled in the second coming. Hallelujah. Amen. This is who we are worshiping. Jesus is king. He has all the rule. He has all the power in all the world. He can snap his fingers, and galaxies can explode, right? He can snap his finger, and nebulas just form. It's just beautiful. And yet, This king, this almighty, who we might fear when the storm comes, we might fear of being found out, we might fear of rejection, this king comes and he comes to die for you. This king stoops and he gets on his hands and his knees because he cares for you deeply. This is the message of Christmas. That all who are outsiders, all who fear, all who, who feel like no one, no one gets them. All who feel like they are the outsider, they are they are the rejects. They're the, the odd ones in their own family. That's who God comes for. He comes and he loves you. And he comes to save you. And so if you felt far off, if you felt like you're, you, you and Jesus haven't talked in a while, like that you and Jesus aren't on good terms, this Christmas, I want you to hear that the Christmas is saying... There is a welcome table open for you that you can come into his presence. Because why did Jesus come? Luke, this great story of Jesus' life doesn't just end with the Christmas message here. A couple chapters later, in chapter 19, it says, For the Son of Man came to seek and save not the healthy, not the put together, not those who follow the rules came to seek and save the lost. The shepherds. If you find yourself feeling lost this morning, this afternoon, if you find yourself feeling like you don't belong, I want you to hear this Christmas message is for you. That you are welcome in God's family. And that there is actually true joy that can be found because the great scorecard has been torn up Jesus loves you too much to reduce you to a scorecard. Let me pray for us.